Okay, it's uh, it's my pleasure to introduce our uh, speaker today, uh, Nelson Kashwadam. Uh, Nelson, we, oh, four, five, four years ago, uh, spoke at camp, and he's I know he spoke at church here a couple times before, and most recently um, at a young adults uh, retreat earlier this uh, spring. So, uh, Nelson, please uh, come and share with us. Feels funny on my big ears. How's everybody? It's good to be home. That's what I feel every time I come here. Just before I got up here, Mr. Emotional had a mom moment. You just got to let her go, right? It's my first time preaching without her. But she's with me, though, right? So God helping me help you. Last I heard, the death rate's 100%. No one's getting out of here alive. Thanks, my friend. God's been doing amazing things, though, that being said. It's amazing how he's able to take your losses and make them gains. It's amazing, though. Really, really genuinely is what he takes for loss. He turns into gain. Your misery, he turns into ministry. And the amount of influence and um, opportunity has been increasing with mom's passing. Only God could do stuff like that. Only God can do stuff like that. So, for those who are going through a hard time, I'm here to tell you, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Our God is faithful. He still parts Red Seas, and he'll do it right before your eyes. Our God is a faithful God. He'll hold your hands all the way through. You may not feel his hands, but he definitely feels yours. As a matter of fact, I'll come in a message somehow, I'm sure. Um, let me just pause and pray. Okay. Join me, Father. Help me. Help me. Help me. In Jesus' name. Amen. And what would be mom's last few days, I was holding her hand and I said, I said, I said, mom, do you even know I'm here? Can you tell? And I heard the still small voice, not a voice out of here, but a voice down here. Lord said, do you know that I'm here? Do you know I'm holding your hand? Do you know I'm with you in trouble? Like, yep. Yeah. You're with me in my trouble. You know, the marvelous work that God does through our pain 
is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so, indeed, if you are in a painful situation, if you've got an imperfect life, I'm going to encourage you to embrace it. Embrace it. Face those tough circumstances. Because God can't defeat any giant that you won't face. Engage in the trouble so that God can bring you through. Okay. I think I'm good now. Thanks for your patience. (laughs) Have you got a Bible this morning? Say amen. Turn with me. Find it somewhere. Maybe on your smartphone. Between checking your Facebook, find it on your phone. Okay? Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. And it's about knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Isn't that beautiful? I just love this portion of scripture. So I'm just going to jump in because I've got to be done here soon. You know, Graham will come and tackle me on the stage. And he's a big boy, so I don't want to. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Okay, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Furthermore, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains for me, I now consider for the, a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and to be found on him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. The righteous, uh, I want to know Christ, yes, to experience the power of his resurrection, participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. So Paul is summarizing a train of thought here, a theme. There's a number of different themes. When This is a letter. You who have been in church very long, you know that this is a prison epistle that Paul was writing from a Roman jail. And he tells them while in jail to rejoice. Can I ask you something? What would you have written if you were in jail? Dear Philippians, I can't believe it. You know, I've been serving the Lord for all this time, and here's what I get. You know, here's what I get out of it. It might have been more of a complaining letter if it was me, you know. Or I'm going to sue somebody here. I've been here unjustly. And he was there unjustly. He was in jail because of his Christian faith. And it's hard to believe that he's telling them, rejoice in the Lord. It's no problem for me to remind you of things that I've told you before. Now, I have a pen pal. He's in, he's in jail. He's in Texas. And whenever he writes, he's, when he was a young adult, unfortunately, he committed a crime that will probably keep him there for the rest of the Very, very young. I was watching TV one day, and I thought, 
And you know what's really funny? Can I just be real with you here? He grew up in church. Anybody could get off track if you were together, right? And it's very sad. In one of his letters, he says, I don't want you talking to me about Jesus, about religion, about anything like that, because frankly, I'm not interested in that. So legit, whatever, we'll talk about other things. But, um, so he was, he's going to be there for a while. Um, whenever I receive a letter from him, it's normally positive, but not necessarily cheerful. Jail probably isn't that much of a comfortable place, is it? As a matter of fact, one of the letters he wrote, describes the condition. No toothpaste or toiletries, a small cell with a roommate who he wasn't getting along with at the time. The bathroom is your cell, so not a lot of privacy. Besides which, Texas is hot. Despite the temperatures, there's no air conditioning whatsoever, and, and it's gang infested. Whenever he writes, I sometimes get the feeling of the circumstances that he is facing in the tone of his letter. But how about when you read this letter? You can't even tell that he's in jail, can you? And there's no way that you could tell that he's been there. On, he, he's unjustly. And to be sure, jail in Texas would seem like a, a vacation compared to the jails in first century Rome. They were off stench of those cells, bad as it was. There were practical caves. There was no bathroom. They just went right there in, in the jail cell. They had run guards in and out every two or three hours. And in the midst of his unfair incarceration, he tells God's people, don't worry. Do you know it's possible to have joy in your life regardless of your circumstances? Paul demonstrates it for us. It's possible to have joy. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Despite my mom passing, it's terrible, horrible, right? Grief. Overall, I have a pretty big degree of joy. Only Jesus can do that. Can you imagine them? Can you just talk to them? Imagine every moment she saw. I wonder who she met first. I wonder if she'd seen Jesus. Right? I wonder what her house looks like. Probably better than mine. Didn't she miss Our loss has been her reunion. Oh. Possible to have joy regardless of your circumstances. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord. I've heard people say it this way Paul was in jail, but jail wasn't in Paul. Amen. You might be in chains emotionally or physically or whatever. Paul demonstrates it's possible to have joy regardless of our circumstances. So he's reminding you, Rejoice in the Lord. Comes back with a reminder as well. Something else he reminds of. Stay clear of religious busybodies. Is there religious busybodies in this congregation? Those constantly, you know, measuring others or themselves or their behavior? Probably not. You guys are pretty busy. Right? The religious busybodies uh, that he was talking about was that those who were interested, let's just say generally speaking, uh, appearances. Appearances. The most important thing in that day and in some religious circles, I believe we've all been a part of one time or another, appearance. 
And I find it fascinating that when Jesus was first asked by his disciples, teach us to pray, do you remember the first thing he said? Be careful of hypocrisy. Be careful of praying to do things for appearance and beauty. Be careful also when you give to the poor. That's how I play piano. My left hand doesn't know what my right hand is doing. You get it, though. He identifies them, you know. And, and by the way, Jesus does say when he, when he talks about giving, when he talks about prayer and ministry, or if you do it for appearance, all you get is a hand clap. No reward whatsoever. So Paul identifies this idea. We are the real believers. And the real believers, he says, are those who serve God by God's spirit. But no confidence in the flesh. And there's such great joy, my friends, when we step out of the limelight and we do things for the Lord with His power and being more concerned with His alone. I have served others. I want you to be, I want to be real with you. I know what it's like to serve others with selfish motives. Then I know what it's like to serve God. That God knows so such life. A. W. Tozer said this, and I like I love this quote. It just speaks to me so often. I am your servant to do your will. And to do your will is sweeter to me than position, riches, fame. Now, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm moving in that Such an empty when we serve God for our own needs. Horrible. When we don't have the Spirit of God, you're trying to be caught stuck with our bodies. Remember the story of who is the fast runner, Elijah or Elijah? In the in First Kings chapter two, I think it was Elijah. You remember when he was under the tree thing? I heard one Bible preacher say this. Previously, when the Spirit of God came upon Elijah, he was able to run. He's able to outrun horses. But when he was running from the enemy, the Spirit of God didn't come upon him in order to enable him to run from his enemy. And he says, and that's the way I read it. He says, Elijah felt like dying, not because he was depressed, although because he knew what it's like to have the spirit of God sweep down on him and be able to do whatever he wanted. And then he experienced what it is like to have the spirit of God come up. Have you ever tried to do God's work without God's help? I would encourage you, keep, as you keep doing the work in the ministry here, be sure you don't And some people say, how do I get that God help? How do I get that God help? I'll tell you right here. I'm all over the place. 
says, I want to know Christ Jesus. And in knowing him, I want to experience the power of Sometimes we treat the resurrection power as something as in I believe Paul was talking about here tonight. You don't need resurrection power in heaven. Amen? You need resurrection power here. You need power here. God's promised us that Acts 1 8 says this You will receive what? Can you see it? One more time. And I think maybe I'm boring quotes of stealing from other people. Maybe that's why the church isn't as effective as it because she is. That's pretty sober. I want to experience Jesus' resurrection power in my life. I don't need it. I need right now. I need holy ghost power. And uh, Paul says it's as simple as this getting to know Jesus. Getting to know Jesus. It's getting, and Jesus is such a wonderful person. Did you know that? How do you get to know him? Just the way you get to know someone? Anyway, I have his permission to say so. Here's one student that I hang around with. How do we get to know each other? Walk, spend some time, exchange ideas. It's the exact same way with Jesus. You have to take some time to talk to him. You have to exchange some ideas in prayer. That's how you get to know each other. I want to say that's for you. And for you. It's a want that whole I know that Paul is talking about power in here and now because the Amplified Version says, I want to experience the power of his resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead while I am still in my mind. See, there are spiritually dead people everywhere, right? He says, this power will lift me, will give me power here and now. So he couldn't be talking about heaven. Because in heaven, he's too spirit. Bodies in the ground. He's talking about resurrection power. And let me tell you, when you experience God's power, boy, you get really hungry for more. Don't you? Peter said, Taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste Jesus' resurrection power, it just makes you so hungry. Here's a funny story. Funny now. When I was pastoring at the First Nations Alliance Church in Edmonton, um, I was amongst well over my head, to be sure. I didn't know what I was doing. I still didn't know what I was doing. So I'm faking it till I'm. And um, we were praying one day at the church, just like we had a prayer time in the just a few moments ago. It was so beautiful here. It was a wonderful prayer. 
And we were praying in a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night. I can't remember the issue. Somebody who was ill in the hospital. And our prayer was this. Lord, would you go lay your hand upon him? Does that sound legitimate? You know what God told me? You go lay your hand upon her. Oh, yeah. Who's sending who? Right? Jesus, go do this. Okay, after that. Go do that. Jesus, you go feed the poor now. And after that, you come back and I got something else for you. It's, we pray the exact backwards way. We are to go. We are the sent ones. We are the ones with God's power. Go! Hallelujah! That's exciting to me. So I said to, I said to the Lord that day, and oh my goodness, I was I said, God, okay, that's it. Praise God. Next time you tell me to go and someone calls and I'm going to go to that hospital and pray. Don't you know, two days later, I called. Hi, my name is Ida. Uh, I haven't met you yet. It was less than six months. I live on such and such reserve and I've got a nephew's. In emergency, she went on to describe the, the issue. And my dear friend, sometimes we look at needs that are so overwhelming with our own human abilities in mind and no wonder we're such a chance. Right? But when we look at needs with God's power, nothing's too big for our God. Are you listening? Nothing's too big for our God. And so that morning, so I, I took down some notes and I said, okay, she's at the hospital and this is his name. And I was doing exactly opposite of what I encouraged you to do just now when I was looking at that. I told the Lord that if somebody calls, I'm going to go down there. Our, our administrator, where's Bev? Are you here? No, okay, so I, so it's like one of you elders taking Beth you know, to the hospital. And, uh, and, and and we went in there, and he's in emergency. We had to put like, gloves and everything on and everything over our face. And where are we going? What is wrong with this guy? And uh, we, we sat there. You should have seen this. He was bloated. He was so bloated, his eyes were like slits everywhere. But he was a, he could talk. He was awake. Boy, all of a sudden I said, Oh, guess what? I gotta have your Sometimes God sends things your way that are tension. He sends situations and circumstances your way that there's no way you can. On the other hand, if I were Moses, I probably would have formed a committee and built myself a boat, paddled across that Red Sea. That's what we do, don't we? We forget our ability. I'm not trusting in my own So, I leaned by the bed there and said, Let's say his name is James. I can't 
this was irrelevant. 2006. James? My name is Nelson. Do you know Ida? You know what I said? James, I'm going to pray for you and God's going to heal you. Do you remember when the Pharisees in Acts chapter 4 noted the boldness of Peter, James, and John? And what did they say? They didn't know Jesus. You take that time to get to know Jesus. So, I just laid hands, rubber gloves, to, you know, laid my rubber gloves upon him. And I just prayed the most simple prayer. Like, it's just ridiculous. I hear Jesus, I rebuke the sickness. And whatever else I said, I don't remember. Two weeks later, he was out of there. A hundred percent. Whole and healed. Oh. I hope that stirs a little bit of hunger. Oh, I want to see that. I want to really, I really want to experience Jesus. I want to experience religion and just make my faith church attendance on Sundays and that's it. That's boring. Right? Sometimes our pews are filled with boring people, but that's not you. You guys are excited. You're alive with God, right? Amen? And then, uh, I'm just going to close with this story. I, I, I barely said my sermon. He whiz, you guys. Barely said my sermon. That's okay. God's oh, my friend Chris, I'm sorry. And then he says, oh, I don't want to hear a scary story. I said, well, it might have been scary in a moment, but it wasn't, you know, it's kind of funny now. Here's when I was in Bible school, I'll give you a bit of a backdrop too. When I was in Bible school, I was I was privileged enough to really see God's hand. This church and this Bible school was amazing. It was so amazing. It wasn't some kind of circus or anything like that, but, but it was, it was Jesus was alive. And there was just no mistake. He was alive and well. Their lives proved that Jesus had risen from the dead. If you want to get that, I hope your lives proves that Jesus is alive. Amen? So, here I was, watching the Calgary Flames get their butts beat by the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. What year was that? It might have been 2015. I was sitting around with some First Nations guys, and, you know, they asked, uh, asked what I do for a little and I said, I'm a pastor. And one of them asked to talk to me. I thought I was just going to do a nice little pastoral care and give him a hug and a kiss, you know, because I'm too chicken, right? Let's face it, sometimes we're, we're, we're kind of scared when we face life. We're forgetting about God's power, right? So this guy begins to, and I'm not kidding I'm not trying to scare you or anything. Just cure that. He begins to kind of vibrating. What's wrong with this guy? He says, he says I, I just need a smoke. It's kind of I just need a smoke. I said, well, go ahead and let us smoke. 
And I start praying quietly in my head. I think this guy's got a devil. And I kind of back off a little bit. As, and I didn't even say any words. I was praying in my, in my head. And he glanced up at me, and his voice came. He shouted at me, and he said, stop. Said, Whoop, that's demonic. I would say, yeah, this is trouble. See how discerning I am? And he started moving towards me, and I started backing down those steps. I wasn't really feeling full of the spirit just at that moment. That's for sure. Long story short. Long story short. And you know what? It was so beautifully supernatural that this guy would try to run at me in violence and something invisible would push him back. He would run at me and all of a sudden just like, it's almost like hands, you could see just, he get pushed back, he'd run at me, he wanted to whatever. I don't know. He wasn't there to serve me coffee, I'll tell you that much. Run at me again. And all of a sudden this glorious peace, anointing my hand up. You don't have to put your hand up when you're praying for the people of But I thought I would. I didn't know what I was doing. And I said, in the name of Jesus, foul devil of hell, come out. And when I said, Jesus, oh, he screamed. Oh, he screamed. He was tormented. I said, there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. In the name of Jesus, you foul devil, come out! <laughs> every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. In the name of Jesus, you foul devil, come out! By then he's on all fours, kind of puking up the storm. And all of a sudden he just came through. What am I doing out here? What happened? What happened? Said, well, let's just save that for another day, shall we? And I said, it's Sunday night. I got to get home. What was that? Was that because Nelson's so holy? Not too old now. Did have anything to do with me? No. It had everything to do with that power. I always like invite you to grab someone's hand if you want. Grab a hand, grab a shoulder. Brothers and sisters, dear Heavenly Father, let's, let's call on we welcome you quickly. Speak to hearts. Speak to lives. Set people free from addictions, from secret sins. Whatever stopped them from pursuing you, Lord Jesus, glorious Spirit drop You've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's a prayer I pray all the time that it worked for me. 
you say in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud here now. Just say in your heart. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and make you my Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins. Open your eyes and just open You feel Jesus? You're alive? Yes, sir. My dear friend, are you wrapping up the service? Who's next?